Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Breakfast special. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on The Breakfast Show with me, Ryan Huang and Lin Li Fu. Welcome to our breakfast special. Come Sunday, Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong will be delivering his National Day rally at the Institute of Technical Education headquarters in Ang Mo Kyo from 6.45pm. Ryan, what issues or measures are on your wish list? Well, I've got a long wish list. <laughs> so just looking back in past years, what was mentioned in past National Day rallies, if you remember last year, we had a big one, uh, the repeal of Section 377A and a lot of talk about COVID-19, no masks and so on. And the year before, 2021, it was about workplace anti-discrimination laws and a lot about delivery workers, gig workers as well. So looking to what I imagine would be high on my list of concerns right now would be cost of living issues. Yes, that's on mine too. So that's something I think a lot of people will be thinking of. And of course, ahead of that in his National Day message, PM Lee touched on housing and ageing. Mm-hmm. They are two interconnected issues that are close to heart for Singaporeans and widely expected to feature front and centre at this weekend's rally. Indeed, very pertinent issues, especially with households and businesses feeling the pinch of rising costs against the backdrop of a nagging inflation. Ahead of the rally, we've got two guests with us this morning to share their thoughts. Walter Tessera, Associate Professor for Economics at the Singapore University of Social Sciences and former nominated Member of Parliament. Good morning, Walter. Hey, good morning. Hi. Hey, thanks for joining us, Walter. And we also have Nadia Samdin, Member of Parliament for Amokyo GRC. She's also a member of the Government Parliamentary Committee for National Development. Good morning, Nadia. Hey, guys. Morning. Thanks for joining us bright and early, Nadia. Let's start off with you, Nadia. Can you broadly tell us your wish list for this year's NDR based on the issues that you've encountered on the ground as an MP? Yeah, you know, I, I think just listening to Ryan recap some of the past years, we really do have a full agenda ahead of us. Um, and I think when you talk about aging, that's definitely something that's really close to my heart. I, I look after a ward where I have almost 50% um, older residents. And so I think about issues such as elderly isolation and loneliness. Um, you know, beyond maybe the harder infrastructure questions such as uh, health, you know, barrier-free access, infrastructure. I think about elderly loneliness. So I think about, you know, family ties and how we can make it a place where they can live with dignity and, and meaning in their life and purpose. There are a lot of things to talk about when it comes to the wish list. And Walter... You've got a lot that you watch. You've got your eye on the economy. You've got your eye, especially on the transport sector. So what's your wishes looking like? You know, I, I think we've already seen a lot of moves towards more social protection and social inclusion over the past decade. Uh, but even with all this progress, I think there are a couple of areas left that I hope uh, PM would look at uh, in the future. So one is the issue of unemployment and re-employment support. Uh, and that's because the labour market is more volatile. People are exposed to more disruption and they need to adapt more quickly. And that means they're going to need more uh, social support if they do become unemployed or if you know, their job is looking at risk because we want them to tide over a difficult period, get trained, find better jobs. Another big area, I think, is supporting vulnerable segments of society uh, because of this high economic volatility we're facing because inflation may be high for quite some time. And I think the groups I'm concerned about are low-income workers and retirees who make it, uh, who find it hard to make ends meet. And there, I think, we need uh, structural support. So, so, for example, retirees, a lot of them are on fixed 
CPF payouts. And the problem is those payouts don't adjust for inflation. So mm. whether we can do something to help them adjust for inflation, I think it's the key here. All right, Nadia, let's talk about housing. It's something that many of us are passionate about. And we've seen mm. the government introduce cooling measures such as higher additional buyer stamp duty rates for residential property in April. So based on your interactions with residents, what are the top concerns? And aside from affordability, what other issues have they raised? Yeah, I think you know affordability and accessibility really has been some of the top concerns. And you know, it's also been a real priority of the PNP government over the years in terms of home ownership and providing people with a sense of rootedness to Singapore via the home ownership story. I look after the ward which went through um, the selective on block uh, redevelopment scheme, mm-hmm. and so we definitely feel you know the effects of older HDB estate and what that means for people in terms of ownership. And I think the other segment really as a young person is how do we think about different priorities of the next generation, for example, whether it's in terms of family units, people, for example, getting married later, wanting to move out earlier, um, housing for singles. That's definitely another issue that's high on the list. Yeah, Nadia has a very interesting mix of, um, I guess, priorities, right? You mentioned SIRS for the older bunch. They want to stay where they are typically. Uh, Whereas the younger bunch want to see higher prices. So there's a very tough balance, right? And and don't forget, you know, when you have a lot of people in an older estate, that means you also have their children who That's want right. to stay close to their parents. I mean, that was a priority for me as well mm-hmm. when I got married, proximity. Um, but at the same time, how do you balance the needs of, you know, new houses in an older estate as well as the newer estates which are coming around Singapore, which I know we've always thought about mature versus non-mature. But when I try to talk to my residents, for example, during Meet the People sessions, I say, you know, sometimes maybe we think about MRT lines, mm. right? Your distance, is it two stops away from, from your parents' home rather than mm. just, you know, the 1km, 2km that we're very accustomed to thinking about? Yeah, there is a lot to um, think about. Um, so that's going to be in the balance as we look forward to the National Day Rally this weekend. And looking at the May Day Rally, Walter, we had DPM Lawrence Wong. He said, when you think about affordability, please don't just look at the headline price of the BTO flat. Also consider how the price relates to income as well as the proportion of income that's needed to service the housing loan, so unquote. So that is an interesting idea. How does that pair up with how income is moving in your perspective? Are there no particular sectors that could maybe benefit from a push on the front? Well, you know, of course, a lot of people have noted how HDB prices have risen sharply over time. But actually, the reason for that is because over the long run, income actually has gone up as well. You know, the reason why uh, houses are more expensive today is on average, Singaporeans are a lot richer today. Uh, and also, the houses in uh, desirable estates are quite limited in supply. So, of course, the prices go up. Uh, but the problem here is, you know, income hasn't gone up for everybody exactly the same mm-hmm. way. You know, a lot of Singaporeans have done a lot better. Some have not done as well. And for housing, it's the same thing as well. We've got more or less desirable HDB estates. There are different prices. And the challenge is, I think DPM is alluding to this, right? You've got households who cannot afford, who must stretch in order to afford the housing they want in the places they want. 
And this is different from whether they can afford some flat somewhere in Singapore, you know. Most of the time, they can afford some place in Singapore if they're willing to move to somewhere a bit further away. But people want a good location, they want a good flat, you know. And all of that is high market value. And then affordability is difficult, even if you're already earning a lot of money. Yeah, that also ties into what Nadia mentioned, right? You've got some parents and you've got kids wanting to stay next to their parents. So that is a big consideration when it comes to price or beyond price, actually. Walter, you're an economist, so from that point of view, could you also weigh in on the challenges behind keeping home prices affordable against market forces? Well, you know, I think uh, you know what Nadia was alluding to is that the government policy is to focus on affordability, right? Especially for first timers, and and we do that by uh, giving, uh, you know, by trying to ensure people can buy new HDB flats at the discount. But the thing is, once you own an HDB flat, you are entitled to sell it at the market price later, and so the government um, cannot take a position easily that would harm current HDB owners' property values, right? Because mm. the principle is, you own it, you get the sell it. Mm-hmm. And when the market price rises because you, you own a flat in a good location, well, of course, that would affect affordability of people who want to buy the flat from you. And we, we have pretty limited options to actually deal with that. Now, historically, we've tried to inject more supply, you know, more affordable flats into high demand areas. But you know what that problem is? Uh, that creates what is called the lottery effect. I launched a new uh, BTO in a very nice area of Singapore. Mm-hmm. I tried to make it affordable and and people oversubscribe, and if you if you get the, the the flat, then you get this huge market benefit. You can sell it for a lot of money later. And I think today we're trying to go away from that uh, problem. We're, we're trying to instead sell these desirable flats with more restrictions on resale through, uh, for example, the prime location housing model. And I think this is a good way to go uh, because we have to maintain affordability, but we also have to make sure that if, if you win the right to buy such a flat, you don't get, you know, essentially a lottery ticket. That, that's the problem here. Yep. We're in conversation with Walter Tessera. He's the Associate Professor for Economics at the Singapore University of Social Sciences and former nominated Member of Parliament. And also on the line is Nadia Samdin, Member of Parliament for Amokyo GRC, also Member of the Government Parliamentary Committee for National Development. Now, Nadia, let's talk about the rising cost of living. When you talk to the residents around you and walk the grounds, what are you hearing from them? Where's the pinch? What areas do you feel need more support? Yeah, I mean, um, Prof. Walter talked about inflation briefly earlier. I think the other specific segment, if you ask me to zoom in, would be really younger couples who have caregiving duties both upwards and downwards, you know, caring for their seniors, uh, the senior parents, some of them with chronic health issues, for example, as well as trying to set up a family, you know, and that really, in terms of setting up a younger family, was the priority um, earlier this year in Parliament. Uh, beyond those two segments, I think it's also the elderly retirees, right, who may feel that I'm sitting on an asset but may be cash poor and they may feel that pinch from a day-to-day basis and having to make that decision about you know, certain assets that they own versus leading that quality of life that they desire. Now, you're linking that to ageing and putting to context here, one in four will be a senior by 2030. Against that backdrop... What enhancements do you hope to see? Is it more on infrastructure or the softer side of things? Uh, I, I could go on about this one. Uh, I think it really is both. I think we really cannot underestimate the effects of COVID-19, both in terms of on families. For example, families realising that, hey, maybe I want a bit of my space. 
um, you know, personal space. And what does that mean for caregiving as you think about elderly parents in an aged society? And once you have family units which are more spread out, what does that mean for elderly who live alone? Both in terms of day-to-day needs, whether it's health, uh, recovering after they've come out of a hospital stint, being able to get food every day, um, and also in terms of loneliness and isolation and the you know post-COVID effects that we see from that. The other part really, like you said, is about infrastructure. How do we create homes, not just in terms of you know barrier-free accesses, um, yellow lines on pavements so that elderly don't trip, but really how do we think of our built environment as one that is you know warm, not hot, but warm, <laughs> and a space really for our elderly to lead a purposeful life. Yeah, I think about it, the family unit in some cases is becoming an interesting dynamic where you have less children supporting more parents. So that puts an additional burden on them. And that's been described as, in some cases, the sandwich class because you're being squeezed on both ends, right? Uh, Walter, when you talk about some of the economic benefits out there behind ramping up efforts for infrastructure to tackle aging, how do we stack up against other countries on that front? What more should we be looking at? Well, you know, our existing system has uh, multiple pillars to support older Singaporeans. You know, for, for retirement income, of course, the main part is the CPF system. And that is supplemented by social benefits like silver support for those who don't have enough in their CPF account. Uh, if you talk about healthcare and housing, we have got an extensive system of subsidies for both of these and, uh, you know, also very high home ownership rates. And for those who are active aging, right, uh, I think the most important thing there is to keep them connected with the community, but also to keep them connected with the labour market. If you're an older worker and you want to stay active, we have to uh, keep you in, in the job force, right, if you're interested in working. And we've got things like workfare income supplement, the top-up wages, support for employers to keep them in the labour force. But if you want to compare the system to other countries, I think the biggest difference is actually the retirement income side. Mm. Because uh, CPF, the great thing about it is that it is based on personal savings. It doesn't rely on taxes. And that is important because when you look at many countries which have a tax-supported pension system, uh, they are running into problems today because they don't have enough young people to pay those taxes. And so they're starting to cut benefits, starting to tell people they have to uh, raise the retirement age and so on because there's no money in the system. But the downside, you know, of our system is that it's based on personal savings. So it's a benefit and a downside because uh, we don't have an income guarantee for those who have very low CPF balances. We have got social support like, you know, social support, but we don't guarantee a minimum income. And in particular, CPF was not designed to cope with inflation so well. You know, you get your CPF payout, it it doesn't rise as inflation rises. And that is unlike pension systems which you may target a particular standard of living. So I think we, we have some room to go there. We can certainly do a lot more, especially in the era of high inflation, to give uh, CPF members with lower balances some guarantees there. Thank you so much to the both of you for your time this morning, Walter and Nadia there. We've been speaking with Walter Tessera, Associate Professor for Economics at the Singapore University of Social Sciences and former nominated Member of Parliament, and Nadia Samdin, Member of Parliament for Amokyo GRC, who's also a member of the Government Parliamentary Committee for National Development. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.